This is Emmanuel Today. Taking steps towards God's possible in your life. I want to get to today's message, me and my house. Joshua is giving his last statement to Israel when we find him there at the end of Joshua. Israel had served other gods in Egypt and God had brought Israel out of Egypt into the desert and during the 40 years in the desert of wandering, something special occurred as God began to show them there is only one true God and his name is Yahweh. Yahweh is also called the Lord. So anytime that you see in your scripture, Lord in capital letters, that's Yahweh. There is only one true God, it's Yahweh. And as Yahweh moved into the center of life, there was a tabernacle that was formed for a place of worship and uh, the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle and all of the, uh, the tribes of Israel camped around that tabernacle and Yahweh became the center of life. Yahweh provided their food. Yahweh provided what they needed for each day. They looked to him for direction and he became their God so that they were in a process of leaning on other gods, lowercase g, and now they were serving the one true God. And finally, finally Joshua was a part of the story that led them into Israel, the promised land, the Canaan promised land. And now Joshua had led them in and he's experienced that. And he knows that it's important for God, for Yahweh to be and remain the center of their life. But friends, I want you to know, because this is a transition point, Joshua is about to step off of the stage. The Israel is vulnerable. And the most vulnerable place in any season of life is in the passing of the baton from one generation to the next. That zone is really a critical place. It's a critical place because we could lose it. I've been reading about various Olympic games and different moments in relay races. If you've ever watched these world-class athletes who sprint from one segment to the next and then there's an exchange zone where they will hand a baton off and one runner has to be running and they don't turn around at first and they got their hand back and the other runner who's finishing their leg of the race has to put the baton in the hand of the next runner. And I looked at some of the greatest runners of all time did not win the gold medal on that because they lost the baton in the exchange zone or they didn't get it handed off in time before the end of the exchange zone and they were disqualified. Marion Jones, one of the greatest women athletes of all time, was racing in 2000 and she was running her segment really strong but then they dropped the baton and they were unable to win the gold. In fact, they had to finish the race at that point. My point of that is this. What Joshua is doing is he is handing a baton off to Israel. There is no individual that he's handing it to. He's handing it off to the whole nation. These values that he's carried with them, he is now presenting to the entire nation. But that's not just something that happens historically. That's something that happens in our everyday life. Businesses hand off leadership and succession stories. Business owners hand it off from one person to the next. And not only do organizations and families hand off batons, but we do that in our own life. It's like a baton handoff to ourselves, if you will. As we go through various seasons of exchange zones in our lives, every time a student goes into a new grade or a new school, how many know 
Whatever happens next is, is really important. Whatever God did in you this summer, you don't want to lose it as you move into the fall. Those exchange zones are really critical. But we go through other ones, college, career changes, more money gives us more options, it gives us more freedom, which are exchange zones, if you will. Marriages force us to question the values that we'll carry over in the future. You've got one person in the marriage coming with their own personal family values and another person coming together, and guess what? Sometimes there's a tug of war, isn't there? But they gotta determine what are we gonna carry forward into the future. Friendships are that way. What are my friendships going to carry forward? When you move into a new job or a new geographical area, now you are are thrust into decisions about what you're going to carry forward. You know, I I used to say that when it came to teenagers who were following Jesus back in the day when I was a youth pastor, they loved the Lord. But if they only loved the youth group and they didn't really love the Lord, when they went off to college and they went to some other group of friends, If that group of friends didn't love the Lord and they didn't find somebody else that loved the Lord, that all they would do is they would change dancing partners and lose Jesus in the process. So it's important when you consider your friendships, your relationships, what happens in that exchange zone? Are you gonna carry those values forward? Today, as we focus on Joshua's last words to the people of Israel, his succession moment to the whole nation, He was no longer going to be the undisputed military leader. This wasn't martial law anymore, and there was no king yet in Israel. He's the leader, but each tribe will need to make their own decisions. And he calls all the leaders of every tribe together. He reminds them of their journey and the lessons they had learned since they came out of Egypt. But he also reminds them of what the Lord had promised, and he warned them of what would happen based on their actions. Joshua gives a challenge and a declaration. Go with me to Joshua 24. This is what Joshua says to the people in Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods, that's a lowercase g, that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice the capital letter, Lord. Joshua is saying, fear the Lord. Fear is not a bad word here. It's to recognize or honor the Lord with sincerity and faithfulness. He's saying, hey, listen, you're going to have choices about who you will fear, who you will honor, in that new land you're going into. And he's remembering that there were other gods before Yahweh became really important to them. There were other values to them, other norms in society that they carried before God came in and established the Ten Commandments and the law that, that governed worship before God. And he says, in a sense, you can't go back to those things. He says, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. There are moments in our story where we are tempted to go back to things that influence us too much in our past. 
How many of you, if you were to go back a couple decades or a couple years, there's some things you would do differently? There are some influences on our lives that control us, that in, they scarred us or they hurt us, or they impact us back then. Thank God he sets us free, amen? But Joshua would say, put away those things. Don't let them come back. You can't go back. You're gonna have a choice about who you're gonna serve as you go into this new land. And in the new territory, in the ex- on the other side of the exchange zone, if you will, that new job that you're in, that new rhythm of life that you're in, that new city that you live in, the new house that you're in, the new, new school that you're attending. As you go in, there are gonna be other gods, other priorities, other things that the, that society is gonna have as a norm. And he says this, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. What are the new forces asking for your service? What are those things that are crying out to you? And they will. And then Joshua makes a declaration. You're gonna have these things going on. And he says this. He says you're gonna choose what you're gonna do. But as for me, ever said as for me, As for me, I made my mind up. I'm resolved, I'm immovable. I've already been there, done that. You guys are gonna make up some choices, but I've already determined who I'm gonna be with. I'm gonna be on the Lord's side. I'm not doing it because my title is general of the Lord's armies. I'm not doing it because I have to, or my parents make me go to church. I'm making a decision for myself. As for me, I'm gonna serve the Lord. Even if my friends don't go with me, even if my family has a difficult season in their story, even if my spouse is having a difficult time following the Lord, as for me, I will serve the Lord. There's something about resolve in your story. The story of Job is an interesting one to me because Job determined that he would serve the Lord. And Satan came to God and he said, I I bet you there's some reasons that he would stop serving you. If he lost everything he had, if he didn't have his family, if it took away his health, and God allowed the testing of Job to prove that Job, like Joshua, would serve the Lord. And even at the lowest of the lowest moments, when he lost everything, Job would say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. See, when Joshua was talking about as for me and my house, you know what he was saying? He was saying, as for me, that part of me, and we'll get to my house in a second. As for me, he was just simply saying, there isn't a circumstance that's gonna move me away from serving the Lord. If you lost your job, would you still serve the Lord? If things got difficult in your life, would you still serve the Lord? Don't give the enemy the idea that he can set you up to walk away from God. No, as for me, I will serve the Lord. No matter what comes my way, I'm gonna serve him. By the way, before we get to the next part, If you are a parent of a son or daughter, grandchild or a friend, close one, that has walked away from God like the prodigal son in Jesus' story, 
and they've abandoned everything and they're living their life away from God, and you've prayed for them and you've prayed for them and you've prayed for them, God hears every one of your prayers and it's like seed dropping and then one day the rain comes, plant grows and they come home. When they come back to church, they better find you on fire worshiping God in church. Don't you lose it at the end of the journey. You stay in the journey. Stay in it. And then he says, my house. Everybody said, my house. Now, I used the English Standard Version, the ESV, today because it has that phrase. The New Living Translation, which I often will preach from, says, me and my family. Family doesn't quite say everything about the biblical my house piece. See, the house is everything. It's the people you influence. It's the family and the friendships. It's the finances that you make or spend. It's the time that you have. It's what you own. But it's really everything underneath your influence. If you're taking notes on the handout here, just make sure you say, my house is everything under my influence. Now, here's what I want you to begin to think with me about. When Joshua said, me and my house, he wasn't just thinking of the big enchilada. He was understanding that there were parts of the house, aspects of his influence, his family relationships, his stewardship of his finances, stewardship of his time, all of those various components. Now, some of you, you have a favorite room in your place that you escape to, close the door. But there's different aspects of our life, and you might think in terms of, you could be tempted to think in terms of, well, my whole life is the Lord's, but this room is mine. I do what I want with that room. What happens in that room stays in that room. And Joshua would say, no, not only me, but everything I'm, or my influence, the things I'm responsible, that has got to serve the Lord too. This room has got to serve the Lord. 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 Every aspect of a person's life, every aspect of your responsibility. So it's not just me, it's me and, everybody said and. Me and my house, the whole house. Not just one room, but all of the rooms. And it's dedicating the whole and individual parts to the Lord. Bringing everything of our influence into service of the Lord. Being in fear of him in a good way and honoring him. And saying, Lord, I want your place in my story. But I want you to consider all the things that are underneath your influence. If you're married, it could be your marriage. If you have kids, it could be your kids. If your job, your job relationships, the things that are underneath your responsibility, the business that you own, could be the friendships that you spend a lot of time with. Those are areas underneath your influence. But go beyond that. Begin to think about what you do, what goes into your mind, what you listen to, what is on your phone. How many know that your phone is in the house. Your ATVs and your boats and your summer cabin or whatever it may be, your vacation space. Really, Joshua was saying all of that, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. So I want you to think about what are those things that are on there? Who or what or whom is underneath your influence? 
the stuff that you own, the areas of your influence. And this is what I want you to understand. Jesus teaches us that if we take care of the things he gives us, he will give us more, right? In Luke chapter 16, listen to what Jesus has to say. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, God's faithfulness will lead to expansion in our story. When you are faithful with the little that God gives you, no matter how little it is, if you're faithful with it, the Lord entrusts you with more. That's a biblical principle. That's a great principle for leadership. It's a great principle for parenting. You earn trust, I'll give you another opportunity to expand that trust. You get an opportunity in the, in the career that you're in, that can be expanded if you steward it well. Doesn't mean you're not gonna hit moments in your story that are like, what is going on, God, right? Why did this happen to me? you trust the Lord, and as you trust him, he will grow those things in your life. But listen, having more only makes you more of whatever you are right now. Having more only makes you more of whatever you are right now. Whatever you are, the state of being, the state of surrender, the house, if you will. You're younger, friends, let me tell you this. Your house may feel small. You might feel like you, you can't make very many decisions with your life, that other people are making all the decisions. But whatever is under your influence right now, whatever you determine to do, if you're gonna give the Lord access to it all and you're gonna serve the Lord with it all, guess what? As you grow and more comes your way, it's only gonna make you more of what you already are. So you and I can learn from any season, any stage of life, no matter where we are, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's one or the other. Jesus said you can't serve two. Well, I'm kind of serving the Lord. Kind of doesn't work. It's one or the other. And it's learning to let Jesus not just be your Savior, but being your Lord. The Bible says that even demons believe and they tremble. They believe God. There's a lot of people in America that believe God. There's a lot of Christians that believe in God. But the ones who make him Lord are the ones that give him permission to have access to all that's underneath them. When you don't make him Lord, then what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, I got this. There's a do not open sign on the door. When we learn to say, Lord, I'm giving you access, you can put your fingerprints on me if you will, you can open the door, it's amazing how the flood of the fruit of the Spirit is open to come in. And even if you've got history where stuff has happened that you're embarrassed about or things have happened to you or your mind is crazy at times because the family of origin that you grew up in was felt so dysfunctional, even if all of that's going on, your house, the place where you are right now, if you open the door, God will come in and he will help you. It's learning to do what the old saints would do. As I was growing up, they would sing a song, Jesus be 
the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all. The kingdoms of my heart. It's learning to say, Lord, I want you to be Lord over my phone. I want you to be Lord over my friendships. I want you to be Lord. And he's not a killjoy. It's not like he's going to take everything away and life is going to be boring. No, what you do is you learn to let God have all the access so the enemy can't kill, steal, and destroy your life. And you can know the joy that is unspeakable. It's a joy that will spring up and enable you to have fruitful relationships. You'll have the peace and the patience and the kindness and the love and the joy that's available through the Spirit. Why? Because you've opened the door to the Lord of all. Can I get an amen? You've opened the door to the Lord of all. So how do we make him Lord? How do we learn to let him have access to these areas? Well, you can't control everything about your family's choices. You can't control your spouse, and if you're trying, that's a fruitless endeavor. You can't control your teenagers if you're a parent either. Come on, somebody. You can't control everybody's decisions. But what you can do is you can determine what you will pay for. And if it's underneath your lordship, if you will, your authority, your influence, you have a right to step into that space. Let me see that phone. I don't want you to see that phone. I pay for that phone. Let me see that phone. See, it's getting just a little quiet in here right now. And I'm not really sure about that, but. I think we just let things roll over us too much. And we don't recognize we have authority. If you can learn to manage authority in your own life and the things that are underneath you, you can look at the devil and manage the authority that Jesus has given you. He's given you all power over demonic strongholds. You can speak in Jesus' name. But you can't speak in his authority if he doesn't have your house. Parents, the actual passing of the baton happens for decades, not just in a moment. So you can train your kids to succeed when they get older. If all you do is control them the same when they're teenagers as you did when they were preschoolers, you're going to have a problem. They're going to buck against you. But if you train them when they're young, how God wants us to give 10% back to him because he owns it all, and you train them to be generous, When they get older, that just becomes a normal part of their life. You can exert authority. But listen, the greatest place that you can turn authority over to the Lord and serve him with you in your house is through prayer. It's learning to simply pause and just say, God, literally, I want you to have access to everything. And if you say no, I'll not do it. If you say go, I'll say yes. It's learning to give him access. It's what the New Testament Christians would practice with confession. Confession was like giving God access, speaking the same thing to God is what he already saw. But I think Christians, we can, can get into the rhythm sometimes in church and life and the rhythm of life where all we're talking to God about is whatever was on the screen, somebody else's song, somebody else's moment. But did you know that God is interested in what happens at your school or at your work? He's fascinated about your marriage. He's fascinated about your finances. And he's not angry with you. He's standing there saying, would you give me the steering wheel? 
Would you turn it over to me? Why are you frustrated? You're frustrated because you're doing it on your own. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when you turn in prayer, you simply say, God, I don't know how to do it, but I give you access to my marriage. I give you access to my parenting. I give you access to my frustrations. I give you access to the temptations that I'm facing. I give you access to all those things that are just coming at me that are, nobody knows about, but I want to go somewhere on the internet I shouldn't go, or the longing or the craving for, to do things I shouldn't do, full on. And an opportunity for God to come in and rescue you if you give him access. And in prayer, we learn to make him Lord. Not just in the sanctuary, but every single day. And even if you don't have direct authority, you do have influence through prayer. You might be married to somebody that's not a believer in Christ. And you're like, what do I do? I can't make him or I can't make her. You can go over their head and pray. You might work in a, in a setting where you're not making and calling all the shots at your work or your job. You're not the one determining all the decisions and allowing things in, but you can go over everybody's head through prayer. You can pray over their head. You can release unbelievable things in there. You can do that from where you are. But as I end my message today, I want you to know part of serving the Lord also means evicting things from the rooms of our house that are not of God. Things that maybe others around us have allowed in, but in this day and age, it's as if, you know, it used to be that you had to go to a certain store to see certain things or to buy certain things, but now it just is delivered to you by Amazon. Jesus is waiting for you to open the door to him. You already opened the door to something else. It's time to open the door to Jesus. And when you don't know what to do and you invite him in, you may need to say, hey, Lord, I'm sorry I got into pornography when I was a teenager. I'm sorry I opened the door to hate and, and, and other things when I was around a certain group of people and racism went into my heart or whatever those things are that went in in earlier seasons of your life. You may need to say, I'm sorry and renounce those things. I want those things out. And when you turn to the Lord, and maybe you need another believer to pray with you, somebody to come alongside of you and believe in faith with you, but when you plead the, the blood of Jesus and declare him to be Lord over your life, listen, friends, those things have to leave your life. Don't let them stay. Another resource available from Emmanuel is Emmanuel Music. Songs like Taking Me Over. For more from Emmanuel Music, search Emmanuel Live on iTunes, Amazon, or Spotify, or visit EmmanuelCC.org. Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. For more messages, visit EmmanuelCC.org.